We thank you, Lord, for all you're doing. Lord, we love you. I'm asking you now, release revelation to us. Draw us in again. I pray you would speak to us what's on your mind, what's on your heart. We'd have understanding of your ways. Lord, would you again feed us richly from the word. Cause our hearts to come alive again. We've had a wonderful weekend, but Lord, we are thankful, and but not satisfied. We're grateful. But we want more. So we come with hearts desiring to know you. We want to know you. We want to know what you're up to. And God, for this community even, I'm asking that you would give us a spirit of revival. We would live in the spirit of revival. Help us to be about your agenda in this hour. I give you thanks. I give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to um, wrap up the uh, series we've been doing on uh, the spirit of revival. And uh, I want <clears throat> to encourage you if um, you didn't get my session that I did in the afternoon, if you weren't there at the conference, you didn't get that afternoon session, I don't usually do this. That was a good one. You might want to get that one. <laughs> there it is. If Michelle says yes twice. I know I'm in the vein. But I what happened was I, I got up there to speak and I had a, a set of notes and I had a direction I thought I was going to go and I just simply prayed like I just did and as I prayed I just began to weep and the Lord began to fill the room and it just, the room just blew up, I mean it just blew up with God and um, yeah so that was a good one I'd encourage you to get that one and so we'll add that to the series whenever we put the series all out on the on the deal and we package it we'll add that one to the series but we'll wrap up uh, tonight and I want to talk about the issue of Israel as it relates to en the end time revival and because we're pretty dim on the issue of Israel most of us know that something important is, is about Israel there's something important about Israel but most of us don't have any uh, biblical understanding of why Israel is important we just know, you know, I know I'm not supposed to be against Israel. And, and maybe we understand Jesus was Jewish, you know. But, uh, so we lack proper foundation, biblical foundation of comprehending what, why Israel and the issue of the nation of Israel is important and, and what it has to do as it relates to God's plan at the end of the age. And so, um, because we lack understanding what many have done in their, um, their way that they approach the Scripture is they will take the Scriptures that are specifically talking about the nation of Israel and they will spiritualize them and they will apply them to the church. And they will say that it's not for Israel, national Israel, 
It's uh, for the church to receive uh, the benefits. And what they do is, it's a, it's a funny way to do your theology, but it's called replacement theology. And what they'll do is they'll extract all the blessings and apply those to the church, and they'll extract all the cursings and apply those to Israel. It's just a little funny way to do it. <laughs> but it's, uh, and, I, and I believe that it is a destructive deception to um, go into your understanding, to, to have a lens uh, that you look through at and you looked into the Bible at and you spiritualize everything that has to do with Israel. I believe that's a, a, a destructive deception that we must get off of. Replacement theology is a destructive deception that's leaving people unaware of God's agenda and, and without partnership with the heart of God. And so we, we've got to get clarity, biblical clarity, and I want to go ahead and take us through then Romans 11. I'm going to give us a, a brief teaching on it. And I want to encourage you, if, if, you're, if you're dim on the issue of Israel... I want to encourage you to uh, take Romans 9 through 11 and go slowly through them with prayer and fasting and ask the Lord to make clear to your heart um, His purposes as it relates to Israel. And uh, this is not some ancillary issue, beloved. Israel is the point. And one of the unique things about our movement is this. Uh, you know, Bob Jones prophesied in 1983 that God was going to raise up a uh, movement of young people, of young adults, uh, in prayer and fasting and worship, who would pray for the salvation of Israel. Now, what an unbelievably unique mixture. I mean, what youth group in the world is talking about the issue of Israel at the end of the age? However, that is the, one of the cornerstones of our mandate, is to have a young adult movement. Of course, we need mothers and fathers. We need all age groups. I mean, that don't, don't delete yourself right there. But we need all age groups, but it's a pr primarily a young adult movement. And the key feature that they're praying for is Israel. And so we find ourselves uh, gripped over the, the issue of the nation of Israel. And so we need clarity. We need understanding. And... Um, and we need to get God's vantage point. And um, the issue of Israel as God's chosen people and the issue of Jerusalem as God's chosen place for His Son to rule the nations is at the very center of the issue of the global end-time harvest. The end-time revival, anybody that's all about end-time revival must comprehend that the issue of Israel and God's choice of Jerusalem is at the center of that reality. And so I want to go ahead and take us through Romans 11 to get that into our foundation. We can't have an, a, a, an eschatology of revival without the comprehension of what uh, feature Israel plays in that mix. All right, so let's look at a few verses. And I want to take, take us through this uh, as quickly as I can and and give us an introduction on the issue of Israel in the end time revival. So Romans 11 verse 1. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite 
of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away His people whom He foreknew. Paul the Apostle, writing to the church in Rome, it's a predominantly Gentile church that's come, through, uh, come to salvation through faith in Jesus. He's explaining God's choice of the nation of Israel. And look at the language. Some would say, well, see, Israel is no longer, they're no longer God's people. They refused Messiah, and they quit being God's people when they refused Messiah. But Paul, writing by the influence of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, talks about national Israel and uses this phrase. He calls them His people. God's people. Isn't that interesting? They're unsaved. And in fact, in mass in that time, they're against God. They're the primary persecutors of the New Testament church. Yet, Paul says by the, by the revelation of the Holy Spirit that Israel is still God's people. Interesting. Now, I don't want to get over into this thing where some people sort of idolize Israel and they sort of just, you know, worship, you know, the idea of somebody being Jewish and, and think, wow, you're amazing. No, if they don't know Jesus, they're not saved. If they don't have the Son... They don't have salvation. Okay, so they're not a part of the kingdom of God. And Paul describes that and explains that they're broken off because of unbelief. He explains that. So we're not supposed to be intimidated by uh, Jewish people or bow down to Jewish people or sort of worship national Israel. That's, that's not the mentality. Nor do we believe that if someone who's Jewish dies without receiving Jesus, that somehow they're saved. That is not true. There's, a, there's sort of a weird thing that goes on in people's minds because they think of God's choice of Israel and they say, well, he, God said they're His people. And they say, well, maybe somehow they're going to get in on a backdoor clause. No, salvation comes through no other name but the name of Jesus it's the only way that men can be saved and so why they still are God's people and he still has a plan for them and has not cast them away they still must come to repentance and revelation of Jesus as Messiah and they must accept Jesus as their Lord and their Savior in order to be saved in order to be part of the kingdom And so what Paul is saying here is this, that God still has an agenda. He has not cast them away. And even though that they rejected Jesus at his first coming, God still is looking for them to accept his offer of covenant. And so that's what he's going through in Romans 11. He's taking us to that, that they are not rejected. They are not cast away, even though they have rejected Messiah an interesting unique thing the lord's doing scott where are we 54 come on jesus 5400 dollars we just took up that's awesome we got it does that work Good. All right, so skip down to verse 8. This is so cool. We're sending a little girl into Iraq to preach the gospel. 
while we're preaching on God's agenda for Israel at the end of the age. This is just a fun night. Lord, you're fun. You're really cool. <laughs> Who plans this stuff? Only you. You're amazing. I've had this, I've had this, just to let you know, I've had this message in my pocket for a month because I couldn't get through that last message. It took me three weeks. Well, God obviously knew that I was supposed to preach it tonight when we're sending the little girl into, into Babylon. I mean, it's just, it's just so interesting. Okay. Verse 8. Just as it is written, God is God has given them a spirit of stupor. Talking about Israel. God has given them a spirit of stupor. Eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear even to this very day. And what I want to tell you is this. That at their initial rejection of Jesus as Messiah, the Lord, God, released blinders. He released a spirit of stupor on national Israel. The fact that they would reject Jesus, put them into this um, situation where God has called blindness, caused blindness to come to their eyes spiritually. And that's why, um, for the last 2,000 years, the most difficult people to evangelize in the earth has been the Jews. But beloved, I don't know if you get this, but right now we're in a time where there's approximately 400,000 born-again Jews in the earth. It's likely that that number is the highest number since the time of the first century church. There's only about 18 million Jews in the planet. Only about 18 million. You think about it. I mean, we lost 6 million in the Holocaust. We lost a million uh, in 70 AD. And that nation has been through the the most devastating uh, events that any nation has ever been through. And they keep coming back. What nation has ever ceased to exist for 1,900 years and then they show back up on the map with the same language, the same customs, in the same place? That's a a shock. Well, why? Because it's part of God's agenda. He's he's brought them back into the land because He's going to bring them into Revelation. But I want to say this clearly, that there isn't simply some, you know, regathering of the nation of Israel, and then everybody just sort of gets saved, and we're all just happy. There is coming a future holocaust to Israel, and people do not have this point clear in their, in their theology, and their eschatology. They think, oh, this regathering, this is it, all Israel is going to be saved, everybody's going to be happy, but the scripture is clear. That two-thirds, again, will be cut off at the hand of Antichrist. Two-thirds. And God will bring, I'm quoting Zechariah 13, God will bring the one-third through a refining process, and they will be refined as gold and silver is refined, and they will receive their Messiah. 
But there is a regathering so that there can be a purifying. That's what's happening right now. And even though the trouble in the Middle East at right now is at a, you know, like an all-time high. I mean, it is just so tenuous over there. I mean, every single day. I mean, we're almost numb to it. But every single day, it seems like there's some kind of new thing going on negative in Israel, especially in Jerusalem. But even though that is the case, more people, more Jews are making Aliyah, which is returning home. They're making Aliyah. More are making Aliyah right now than have ever made it in the history. It hasn't stopped the regathering one bit. Kevin, one of our staff, he, he, he feels the Lord's put it on his heart to make Aliyah, to, to, to go back. So he knows all the statistics and it's a, it hasn't taken a dip one bit since all the trouble has happened and really heated up in the Middle East in the last you know, several years. And so they are right now under this spirit of stupor. And as far as the gospel message is concerned, for the last 2,000 years, they have been mostly blind and mostly deaf. They haven't been able to hear it. And it's something God did because in God's agenda, he had an open door in, in his mind. He wanted to open a door to a whole group of Gentiles. And you better say amen right there. Because he wanted to press, press pause on the nation of Israel and give a whole 2,000 years of Gentiles the opportunity to accept Jesus as Messiah. You know, when you got saved, you accepted the Jewish Messiah as your king. That's what you bought into. And so God, in His kindness and His perfection, knows how to work it on ten different levels all at the same time. And He, and he, he gets, you know, billions saved through their rejection of, of Messiah. Now here's the thing. The spirit of stupor that's on them, one day that spirit of stupor will be completely lifted. And when that thing is lifted off them, they are going to receive the spirit of grace and supplication. They're going to go from blindness to revelation and from deafness to intercession and travail. And in, it's going to, I mean, it, it's almost going to seem instantaneous because when it comes in fullness, it is going to break out upon every Jew in the earth. But almost in an instant, they are going to go from not comprehending to having comprehension. And I believe it works in a couple different ways. I believe the Lord gradually lifts the spirit of stupor, but then I believe there is a finality and a fullness of when that spirit of stupor is, stupor is lifted and grace and supplication comes upon them. Zechariah 12.10, which we've talked about, mentions that day in which the spirit of grace and supplication will come upon Israel. What a day that will be when God's chosen people finally begin to cry out in mourning and longing and aching for their king. Oh, that's a good day. They will mourn and they will go into travail over their rejection of Jesus. Look at verse 11. I say then, Paul speaking, goes, have they stumbled that they should fall? 
What he's saying there is, is it totally over for them uh, concerning God's plan? Have they stumbled so that there's no more chance for them? Look at the response. Certainly not. Emphatically, certainly not. That should hit the replacement theologians right in the nose. I don't know how they miss it. But it's, it's plain. I've got some friends and I've said, okay, listen, I understand you believe uh, replacement theology. I understand that your mentality is that the blessings are not for Israel anymore, they're for the church. But let's try this. Let's read Romans 9, 10, and 11. Let's just read it slow. And let's just talk about the verses as they come up. And just read it slow with them. And they start going, huh, never saw that before. Hmm, never noticed that before. Because you can't get past it. God says they have not stumbled that they should fall. Certainly not. He goes, but through their fall, look at this. This is stunning leadership. Who leads like the man Christ Jesus? Through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. God sweeps in multiple generations of Gentiles. The Gentiles simply anyone who wasn't born Jewish. He sweeps in multiple generations to bring them into a, a abandonment in love that the Gentiles would fall in love with this Jewish king. He does it on purpose. Why? To release a provoking to Israel. And beloved, I want to tell you this. The bride at the, at, at the end of the age is going to be a bride. The church, the Gentile church, which has Jews in it right now. The church, is not a Gentile church, but the church uh, is going to be so uh, enamored with the man Christ Jesus at the end of the age. So in love, so abandoned, so living the value system of the kingdom, so moving in the power of the kingdom of God, so alive in love, so alive in meekness, so alive in humility. I mean, the church is going to be so beautiful, she is going to be stunning and provoking. We're not provoking very much right now. But in a minute, we're going to be. We're going to be provoking. And our testimony will be that Jesus is the lover of our soul. He is our bridegroom king. And we are ravished by him. And he is ravished by us. And that love relationship of flowing back and forth in love with their king. Is going to be a piece of the provoking. And the manifestation of the power of that kingdom in the earth is going to be a part of the provoking. But I'll tell you what else is going to be a part of the provoking is the revelation that the church is going to have of Israel as God's chosen people that when all the nations surround Jerusalem and they begin to wage war on Jerusalem and when if you kill a Jew, you know, you get a, a better... Uh, uh, placement in the antichrist kingdom that when the christian church sides with israel in the day of the greatest trial and testing that the world has ever seen when christians say you know what we're go- we're not on we're not on that team we're still siding with israel in that time provoking will happen the jews will be saying now why did you pick getting like helping me 
and risk your life? Well, I'm in love with this man named Jesus. And he is in love with you. To provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now look at verse 12. Now if their fall is riches for the world and their, their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? Now consider this. Their rejection of Jesus ends up being riches for you and me. What does that then mean will happen to the Gentile nations in the age to come when Israel, the ones that were supposed to receive Messiah, when they embrace Him, if their rejection is riches for the Gentiles, what will their acceptance be? Glory is what it will be. He goes on to say in verse 15, For if their being cast away equals the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance of Messiah be but life from the dead. There is going to be a combustion in the Spirit that's going to take place when Israel accepts their Messiah. Something is going to happen when they accept their Messiah and Jesus is on the planet. This is what we pray for night and day that Jerusalem become a praise in the earth. The idea is this, when Jesus is on the earth ruling from Jerusalem and all Israel says yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us that Jesus is going to release upon them the spirit of burning. And 100% of them are going to receive, it's not just a baptism of fire, they're going to receive Holy Spirit possession. And the idea is this, and we get it from multiple verses, but the idea is this, that once they get saved and once they receive that spirit of burning, they live in righteousness in totality in the age to come. A thousand years completely sold out and abandonment to the man Christ Jesus. They will truly be what uh, Moses told them that God wanted to make them. They will be a royal priesthood and a holy nation. There'll be a testimony to all the nations of the earth what it looks like when God is accepted amongst the entirety of a nation. A holy nation. There's a little bit of um, confusion for people to go, well, when Jesus comes back, doesn't it sort of all end and, you know, you just, you know, who's left? Well, there's, we've got multiple verses that talk about the people that are left on the planet there will be uh, survivors that will be left on the planet after the second coming and that group will go, will go again and begin to repopulate the earth and with the atmosphere completely healed and with the earth experiencing revival and the earth healed with sin in check and the devil bound the population of the earth is going to explode so I, you know, I believe you know, 50 billion may not be out of the question because deserts where there are deserts right now those are going to spring up with springs and where the, the ground is cursed now, that curse is going to be lifted. And you know these transformation videos? All that is is the power of the age to come manifesting right now. And what you're going to have is a global picture of transformation in the earth. The food supply is going to go off the chart. And, and here's the other deal. The, the, the Bible tells us this in Isaiah 66. It says the, the guy that dies at 100 years old 
Everybody's going to go, what happened to him? Why did he die so young? See, the whole next age, we have such a little comprehension of it, but the whole next age, I'm telling you, there's going to be so many people, and and here's the deal, they're going to be in natural bodies. Now, you and I, they get born again in this age, we get a glorified body when Jesus comes back. The survivors repopulate the planet. I know I'm going fast, just listen fast. And here's what happens. The nations explode, and Jesus rules on the planet. And Isaiah 2 tells us the law will go forth from Zion. Jesus is going to have the greatest teaching ministry the world's ever seen. It's going to way surpass the three and a half years. He's going to do it for a thousand years. He's going to instruct the nations in the law of God from Jerusalem. That's where this thing is going. This is so cool. I love God. We got in on it. Like we stumbled in. You're, I mean, like one day you're sort of feeling bad about yourself. You hear a preacher. You can get, you know, if you repent, you'll get forgiveness. And you go, okay, I like that. You had no clue what you're signing up for. He's putting you on a throne in the age to come. He's going to give you government and leadership. So my point is this. If their fall, if their rejection of Messiah equals riches for the Gentiles to be able to come in, What does their acceptance of Messiah equal? Well, the Bible tells us resurrection power, but it's not, Paul's just sort of, he's just sort of tickling our fancy with that. He goes, life from the dead. What's he talking about? He's talking about resurrection power in a global measure. When Israel says yes, and Jesus is ruling on the planet, we are going to see a combustion of spiritual power that the earth has never seen before. It's called the powers of the age to come. So then, so let me just show you the verse, Hebrews 6, because you need to get your mind around it. We've got such little understanding of the powers of the age to come. I want to say it this way to you. Every manifestation of the power of God in this age is a power, if I can use the term, that's borrowed from the age to come. It is a testimony of the age to come. We're getting it in measure now, but it's coming in fullness in the age to come. We're getting a portion now. The power that heals cancer now, that's just a portion. Because it's powers of the age to come. Let me show it to you. Hebrews 6. He's he's discussing, this is interesting because he slides this line right there in the discussion of once saved, always saved. And he's explaining the guy that totally rejects Jesus after he's already experienced the Holy Spirit and the powers of the age to come. Once he rejects him and turns away and says no, after he's already experienced it, and God woos him and woos him and woos him, and he says, no, 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 no. He says, there is no renewing him. So there's your answer for the once they'd always say his question. Now, back on this. Verse 5. I shouldn't have this much energy. This is a lot of fun. Verse 5, he goes, if the guy has tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. I just wanted you to see it in black and white. The powers of the age to come. That's where I get that idea. And it's clear. Read it in context. You'll see he's talking about experiencing the Holy Spirit in this age. He's calling it the powers of the age to come. And so... What that tells us about the age to come is it is going to be a global thousand year revival. 
It's going to be fun. There's going to be billions experiencing the powers of the age to come, and that's going to be the way they live their life. Oh, that's going to be cool. You and I get glorified bodies. I mean, we get the coolest. I mean, I think it's just cool. We get, you know, traveling at the speed of thought, you know. We get to experience Jesus, you know, in person. You know, we get to go into the new Jerusalem and back. 